my goodness. You did not see that coming. You were waking up this morning, going to go to church and hear Nirvana. Some of the first-time visitors here right now are like, I just went to hell church. Like, that was, that's something's wrong with this place. <laughs> that's right. Well, hey, if you want a different song, you got to vote. So next week, we'll have a different one. You got to come back, see what it is we're, we're playing. I'm going to talk about our new series called Banger. And again, there's probably some of you here and you're like, I have no idea what that is. And so I'm just going to help you with that real quick. Uh, I think Rusty touched on it, you know, and I, I got a little definition for it in your notes, the little notes that you got when you came in. It says, what is a, what is Banger? Uh, a banger is a song, as Rusty said, that's like, you know, really, that people say, okay, that's a banger song. It's really awesome. That's what they're saying. It's a great, it's a great song. Um, now, in our culture today, and I got this out of Urban Dictionary, so you might hear some slang and you're like, my kids are saying this. I don't know what they're talking about. Well, you can look it up. They'll tell you, you know, but uh, you might not be excited about what you read. But anyways, this particular one, you know what we know about Banger. Now, if you're rolling with some people, younger generation, now it's not just music, right? They, they could be sitting down eating a hamburger and you're like, man, that burger's a banger, you know? So they'll just be like using that terminology as well. So what we've decided is we're gonna take that term and say, okay, in the spiritual groove of life, you know, if we're making spiritual hits, what does that look like for you and I individually? You know, how can our life kind of fit into a really healthy spiritual groove with God? And I want to share that with you in our time together. Actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 19. And we're going to spend some time just on some verses where I think Jesus uh, makes it very clear in just a handful of verses kind of what that looks like. We're going to do a big lens picture today in our time together. We'll dial into some other areas over the next few weeks, but what are some things that you and I in our own personal walk with God can be involved in, things that we can be doing to kind of get into that spiritual groove that we need to be in, spiritual groove for God. I think sometimes people say things about Christianity. They'll say things like, well, you know, if you're going to be a Christian, you got to be a part of this thing where you got to abide by the list of do's and don'ts. That's what Christianity is. People will say that. I've heard that. You know, like if you become a Christian, you know, you, you, you certain movies you're never allowed to watch again. And you can only listen to certain music and you got to dress a certain way. And people say that about Christianity. I understand where they get that from. But the truth is, is that Christianity, it's not about do's and don'ts. It's about a journey, an individual journey and steps on a journey that you're taking. And your spirituality, growth, your growth spiritually is always going to be defined by the steps that you're taking in your walk with God. Like we have eternal life, salvation through Jesus Christ, but we're still living and these steps of that journey are critical. And that's a part of what I want to share with you. In fact, I wrote this down in my notes. It's not in yours, but I thought I'd just read this to you. The essence of Christianity is simply this. It's waking up every morning, getting out of bed, and saying yes to Jesus without even knowing what the question is. I'm talking about a posture. I'm talking about, okay, it's a posture. I wake up, and every day I'm ready. It's God's revealing. A next step for me is something I need to deal with. Oh, yeah, okay, yes, God. Like, that's really the definition of how we're growing spiritually. God, I am ready. And what I see so many times and over the years, and I've watched, I've watched as Christians like, okay, I got a one-hit wonder. I said yes to Jesus. But after that, there's nothing really going on. Stagnancy, whatever, you know. Sometimes it feels like going backwards a little bit. And so I want to deal with this big picture about our steps. I, I look at some very 
powerful scriptures, you know, and I see this play out, you know, like very progression oriented. Like this is something in advance and something that God wants to reveal to us. Look at Ephesians 2.10. One of my favorite scriptures that I shared just a couple of months ago here at our church. It says this in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Like I see something here. It's not about a list of do's and don'ts. It's like something beautiful that God has in store for each and every one of us that we're to walk in that journey with him. John 10, 10, a scripture that I shared just a few weeks ago, Christmas at Newwalk. It's rich. It's the thief, Satan, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Like that's Again, that's a portrait of something progression-oriented. Like there is something more that God has in store for me and has in store for you. If you're trying to understand this sweet spot of our faith that I'm sharing with you, maybe you don't know music. Think of it. Maybe some of you know sports. It would be like, okay, if I'm going to make the best contact on a baseball, hit it the farthest, hit it the hardest, I got to hit the sweet spot playing golf. You know, you strike it and you want to hit the sweet spot on the club. I'm sharing with you some sweet spot things about Christianity. And so I put in your notes, how are we going to get into, how are we going to stay in a spiritual groove as we launch this new year? And so let me give you four. Again, born out of Matthew chapter 19. Let me give you the first one to fill in there and then I'll explain it. Uh, I think you got to decide that you want to be firmly in the identity groove. I'm talking about who you are in Jesus Christ. And it is so easy to lose sight of that identity and to miss out on that rich identity that God is wanting to reveal to to you and I consistently and all the time in our life. This world is messy and it bogs us down and weighs us down and keeps us kind of from feeling and, and digging in and immersing sometimes into that beautiful identity that God has made in each and every one of us, that new thing that he's doing in us when we say yes to Jesus Christ. Matthew 19, 13, here's... Well, it says this moment in history, it says this, then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place hands on them and pray for them. This is a very famous scripture, so some of you are well aware of it, but the, the, the disciples rebuked them. The disciples are like, man, where are we gonna bother Jesus with all these kids, man? Come on. And then Jesus responds, he says, let the little children come to me. Do not, and this is the part that I wanna really talk about today. Do not, what's that next word? Hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. It, it's in that hindrance, whether you're a child, whether you're an adult, like Jesus says, come, he, come to me. I want you to encounter me. I want you to experience me. I want you to know the things that I want. I want you to learn things that I need you to learn. I want you to know about your identity and who you are in Christ. There's gonna be so much hindrance on that journey I will pause for just a second. It does reference, let the little children come to me. And I think that is so important. Like, we need to understand that probably uh, the largest, if you're an age bracket out, there's no question about it. If you age bracket it out, okay, which segment of people's age of life are they most likely to come to, to know Jesus Christ? It's when they're young, before the screwy world gets a hold of them. And that's why, folks, kids' ministry... Student ministry is so important. When you give here, like you're giving to that. And we're, we're doing our, some of you, this is your story. Like when it, it happened when you were younger is when you said yes to Jesus. And you remember that time. And 
But even if you said yes to Jesus when you're younger, again, I think sometimes these hindrances happen. And I talked about them a few weeks ago at Christmas at Newwalk. I talked about, you know, the fact that you know, life happens and, and hurts happen. And when a hurt happens to you and somebody does something to you in your life, like it's, it's very easy to lose sight of that identity. A hurt happens and then you just become the hurt. You've made bad choices, uh, mistakes in your life, and all of a sudden you feel like you're now defined in your identity by the mistake you made. And you had a marriage, and the marriage failed, and, and you, know, you got divorced, and now you're just a divorced person. Like, that's your identity. I mean, it's so easy to hold on to things that are going to kind of hinder you, keep you from encountering that real identity. But I put in your notes, loss of identity brings the emotion of a restless discontent. Not knowing who you really are. I mean, you say yes to Jesus Christ, but man, what's, what's next? What does God now want to reveal to you about this new life and this new identity? What groove are you going to get into on that journey? How are you going to keep advancing? And I would submit to you that a lot of it flows from this rich identity. Could you imagine living a life not knowing who you really are? Yeah, I can imagine it because I see it all over our community. It breaks my heart. People literally wearing masks, hiding facades, trying to be like other people, defined by other things, not defined by God. I watch it all the time. It's the story for some of you here in this room or some of you watching online. Like you, you you're not you. You're trying to be something that you were not meant to be. And I, I say it all the time here at our church, but if God had wanted another clone of somebody else, that's what he would have done. But he didn't do that. When he created you, he made you exactly different than everybody else. So he has something in store for you, not to be, you're scrolling through social media, I want to be that, I want to be, no. I want you to be you. Or, or maybe your identity is consumed by performance. You're involved in something, and if it goes well, or you do really well, you're really happy. But then it doesn't go well and you feel like you're empty. You see this play out, right? You could be young. Maybe you're in school and you make, you're making really great grades. And you know what I am? I'm an A student. And that just defines you. Or maybe you don't make good grades. You're like, oh, well, I'm a D student. That was me, you know? So, no, I was not quite that bad. But, but you start to own it, you know? Just, I, guess, I guess I'm just bad at school and that's who I am. You, maybe you have a great career. If the career's going good, you feel real good about yourself. If, you, if it's not going good, you don't feel good about yourself. It's money. Money's going really good. Got a lot of money in my bank account. I feel good about myself. Don't got a lot of money. I don't feel good about myself. Could you imagine living so low that that's what defines you? Yeah, it's happening all over. And you weren't made to be defined by circumstances, situations, things like that. You are made to understand the richness of being defined by who God sees you as in your life. 17th century philosopher, mathematician, probably heard of him, Pascal. He became a Christian. And here's what he said. I thought this was so valuable. He says, not only do we know God by Jesus Christ alone, because we know God through Jesus Christ, but we know ourselves by Jesus Christ. We know life and death only through Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus Christ, we do not know what is our life, nor our death, nor God, nor ourselves. Knowing who we are is a powerful part of this journey. Who are you? 
who does Jesus say that you are? You, you got to get these right, because if you get this right, again, you're moving in this new groove, this flow in your life. If you get this wrong, let's just honor Pascal for a moment. Here's what you're doing. You're trying to do calculus in life without ever learning basic math. Well, that sounds really impossible, and it is. You gotta get the basics first, and I would submit to you one of the basics is if you're a believer in Christ, you have this rich new identity. You don't have to walk around like Charlie Brown. Remember Charlie Brown, man, I watched Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown always be on the outside, you know? Like it was everything he tried to do, it just didn't work out, and they pulled the football from him, and it was womp, womp, womp. It just didn't go for him. You're not Charlie Brown, and you're in a family. You're included in something Spectacular, it reminds me of this um, first century, going back first century in Greek culture and this play that was part of first century Greek culture and maybe growing up you had to study it, uh, maybe you didn't, I don't know, Oedipus Rex is the um, name of this play and it's really a story about, uh, it's about the story of the king and queen of Thebes and they're about to have a baby and this Oracle comes along and says, hey, that baby that you're about to have is going to bring destruction upon the nation, so you, you better deal with it. And during that culture, if there was going to be a problem with the baby, they, they had it put to death or they let it die. I mean, it was, it was common during that time. Now, now we're, we're in Christianity. We understand that life is important, that, that babies matter. We understand that kind of stuff. But, but I'm just going back to like, okay, let's go back to this particular culture, and so if you're watching this play and you're hearing these words like, okay, let the baby die, and they actually, as a part of it, what they do, the baby's born, tie its legs together, put it out in this little pasture. Uh, actually, the name of this, this whole thing, and starts with this word Oedipus, it actually means swollen feet or swollen legs. They bound them together, left it out in a pasture for the child to die, and then the shepherd comes along and finds the baby and rescues the baby. Turns out this uh, child's going to be brought into this family of the king and queen of Corinth. And in the king of queen of Corinth, they bring this child, raise it, adopted in the family, brought into the palace. And I wanted to share that with you because here's what you need to know. Though you and I are spiritually struck, though we were broken spiritually, though we were a mess spiritually, and though somebody might have tried to abandon us spiritually, though we felt abandoned, though we felt off, though we felt mangled in our sin and our brokenness, God said, yeah, I want that one. And he adopted us into the family. He brought us into the palace. And now we're a part of a royal priesthood in our walk with God and our journey with God. And so we walk in that journey. So many scriptures about this, but in Romans 5, 8, it says, but God shows his love for us that while we were still defective, in our spiritual journey, Christ died for us. You are loved. You are in the family. You don't need to walk out of an environment like this with your head held low. You walk out with your head held high. And Christians don't walk out of a room with their head held high because, well, they're arrogant. No, they walk out of a room with their head held high because they understand that they are redeemed. They are forgiven. They are worthy. They're in the family of God. And so we walk in that flow, not beaten down by the things of the world and some fraudulent identity. Matthew 19, this question begins to be asked. We're going to get into questions now, and I think it is so important as we advance this text along a little bit. Questions come. It says this, just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, 
What good thing must I do to get eternal life? Stop right there with that question. And let me just, just remind you this. There's nothing that you can do to get eternal life. It's already been done on the cross. So that's just first reminder. But I get the question, and asking questions of God is great. You should ask questions of God. He's not hiding from your questions. And I think when we hit crisis and we hit trials and we hit difficult times and we're dealing something in the family or a loved one or whatever it may be, we do go ask questions. And, you, and it's great. Ask questions of God. And we're, so we're getting some of those questions here. Okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to be saved? What does that look like? And, and it's a great question, but I think, I think what Jesus is going to lead us down this road is to understand that as believers, uh, there's some things and steps that we need to take. And so I put, not for salvation, but in our spiritual growth, and I, I put the second thing in your notes, it's the word involvement. Jesus says, hey, let's talk about some truths that you probably already know as he gets this question. Let's talk about the steps you're taking in your spiritual growth. This is the direction he moves in this. Uh, stop now and just, just think about it like this for a second. You, you, you meet somebody that you want to enter a love relationship with. What do you do? Well, maybe the first thing is, you, well, you, you ask them out on a date. And then maybe the next thing is you ask them out on another date. And then you, another. And then at some point, as things are growing, that relationship, you, you know, you propose and you you, you're married or you're engaged and then you're, you're, the next step you take is you, you get married. And, and so you see there's steps along the way. Well, in your walk with God, there are steps that we, we're growing in that relationship. And as you grow in that relationship, it's all about, that growth is all about continuing to take your steps as a believer. Matthew 19, it goes on, verse 16, 17, Jesus says, why do you ask what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. And so what he's saying, like, if you want to discover the truth about life, how about you take the steps that you're supposed to be taking? How about you follow the things that you already know are, are, are there? And so he's saying, you keep the commandments. He's like, hey, bro, hey, you, you want to know something about what I need you to discover in life? Follow me, is what Jesus is saying. Follow my commands. And I said before, Christianity is... It's nothing more than a series of steps that we're taking in our growth, consistent step after step after step. And we see Peter, James, and John and saying, come, look, come follow, follow, follow us as we follow Jesus. And, they, and they're following Jesus, taking their steps. And they say, come, come with us as we take our steps, as we follow Jesus and he takes his steps. And that's what we do. Uh, 2,000 years later, we're still taking our steps as we follow Jesus and follow those who have followed Jesus, and we get ourselves into a place where we say, okay, every day, God, I'm waking up, ready, I need to decrease so he can increase. And I'm gonna do that, whatever it is that I need to decrease of so you can increase. You don't enter into this journey with God and say, now, okay, I have this relationship with you, God, now you come into my life and form everything around my desires. That doesn't work. No, you, you, you move your life into what God's desires are for your life, not the other way around. What is your next step? So I'm challenging with you here with this morning. What is your next step? You pondered it for the year, what your next step would maybe be for some of you? You know, it's like, I need to pray more. It's great, that's a great step. For some of you, I gotta be in the word more. Another great step for some of you, uh, your first step is 
to invite Christ into your life, you should do that before you leave here today. Uh, for some of you, it's baptism. You're already a believer, but you've never been a part of a believer's baptism. We've got a baptism coming up in just a few weeks. Here at the end of this series. And uh, you, you've just not taken that step. What is the next thing we do after we come to know Jesus Christ? Jesus was clear. Be baptized. Why? We're showing others. It's a testimonial about, hey, I made that decision. And my life was, my old life was buried. I was raised a new life in Jesus Christ. And so we say, okay, I'm going to be baptized. And so if you're interested in being a part of that right here at the church, just write baptism on the card that you got when you came in there, the connect card. Write baptism, circle it. And drop it in the bucket. We'll get you information about the baptism coming up in a few weeks. For others, few weeks. For others of you, it's boot camp. It's our serve team. You are a part of this church, but you're not serving. And I, I, I hear people say, you know, I, especially I'll hear longtime believers. They'll say, "Well, Pastor, we've been praying about serving. You don't need to pray about that. It's in the Bible. Serve. That's what the believers do." I mean, what, are you going to pray three, four years about serving? Give me a break, man. You serve. Others of you, you're new to the faith. The Bible's clear. Okay, we serve. That's what we do. You go to boot camp. Boot camp is a little hour gathering where we just tell you about our church. You know, making you do push-ups or anything like that, but you just learn about our church, and then we, get, we help get you on a team. And we're having one next week, so you can be a part of boot camp next week. Maybe come Saturday night or 9.30 on Sunday and then stay for boot camp afterwards in the cafe, 11.15. Come on, man. Like, like if you're a believer and this is your church, like stop being like your God's gift to church attendance and get involved. Be a part of the work that's happening at this church. Did you know here at this church we believe every weekend that heaven and hell are at stake? Because it is. We operate that way. Because there's a lot going on in our community and we want to reach people with the message of Jesus Christ. For some of you, it's groups. You need to be in a group. And some of you know what our groups are and you used to be in them, but you haven't been in a while. Others of you, you've never gone. You've been to this church a while, but you've never gone. Some of you are new to this church. Let me explain to you what groups are. We have two parts of our church. You're here this weekend. That's one part of our church. That's half. So good job, you got that one. There's another half of our church that meets, a whole other thing we do at our church, we meet during the week in smaller settings. It's a part of the New Walk experience. And so we invite you into groups. Why? To connect, grow, study God's word, do life together with small, it's a big church, so we get smaller settings and we get to meet people and connect with people. And we got a new round of groups starting. We do them a few times a year. New round of groups is starting and registration is open. It's open online. You can go to our online, our website, newwalk.church, click on the groups link and you can see all the groups. Or you can go to the connect desk on your way out on the left-hand side. They've got these big, beautiful catalogs with all of the groups that are there as well. What step do you need to take? Take responsibility for your steps. Stop putting this off on other people and your schedule and all of the things. Take responsibility and ownership for being in that spiritual groove that God is calling you to. Here's the third thing. It's the inspection groove. So we got one part that I just dealt with that says, God, what are you calling me to? A next step. We got another part that says, I am willing to also say, God, what needs chiseled away from the old? 
And God wants to do that. Not only does he want to lead you to newer things in your life, but he wants to chisel away or sledgehammer some of the old ways you were doing things. Maybe, you know, some of the things that are still happening in your life right now. Let's look at our stories. It continues here as Jesus in this dialogue here. It says this in verse 18. The guy says, okay, Jesus says you got to obey the commands. And then he says, which ones? It's a good question because there's tons of commands. There's more than 10 in the scriptures. It's hundreds. So what are you talking about? He inquired. Jesus replied, well, you shall, shall not murder, commit adultery, shall not steal, give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. He's like, I'll just give you these top six right here. How you doing on those? And then the guy responds, all of these I have kept, this young man said. Really? Really, you're batting a thousand, like you're perfect? That's what he's saying. Like, Jesus, I do it all. Really? Do you think Jesus asked this question, God asking this question because he thought this guy was actually hitting on all cylinders? Or do you think he asked this question because he knew the truth about this man's life? I think he knew the truth. I do think we go to God, though, sometimes, and we say, God, we know God's challenging us, and we say, I'm good. <laughs> I'm hitting a home run, man. I got no problems. Before we make fun of this guy, I think we got to see how we do this. And we got to know that Jesus always took a note to another level. A few weeks ago, I was talking about how, you know, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, oh, by the way, murder is now if you hate in your heart somebody else. <laughs> and adultery is if you lust in your heart. So he's taking things to another level anyway. So really, like, how well are you really doing here, but then I give the guy credit because he asks this question. Well, what do I still lack? He's willing to ask the question, what is missing? In verse 18 through 20, the last part of that says, what do I still lack? Man, that, that's a big question. In fact, I'm gonna challenge you before you leave here today and all week to ask that question of God, like, what do I lack? What am I missing? But it is a hard question. And sometimes when you really be open to God about this, you, you, you're gonna get some answers that are gonna be tough to hear. Like, I don't know if you've ever got, asked something and then got an answer that was really tough to hear. I know I have. Like, I just, a couple, uh, couple of months ago, we were filming. Remember we had, just two weeks ago, we had our, our online services, the 24th and the 25th, Christmas weekend. Some of you watched that, you know, and, and it was very nice. And we filmed that, though, like two months before Christmas. And uh, we, when we filmed that, it was very beautiful, but it ran late into the night. It was, it was long and to do all that production, but we filmed it right here in the center of the sanctuary. And when I spoke, my part speaking, they put, they lit all these candles around me on the floor uh, they're in these little tin canisters, and then they light them. So they're all just beautiful, burning for 30 minutes while I'm speaking and doing my parts. We finish up, and, uh, you know, I actually had this little thing right here in front of me and finished my little part, and I'm ready to move on. Now, see, one thing you need to know is that to capture my audio, they ran a cord up under my shirt, and they, they clipped it right here. And it was connected to a pack that was connected to a cable that ran all the way in the back. And it was connected to a box where they captured all my audio. 
Well, when I finished, I'm like, okay, I'm good. So I just take off, start walking. Just, you know, I go over here, I'm talking to people and visiting a little bit. And then I went, you know, then I unhooked it and I went to the restroom and all that. I came back and they're cleaning wax all off the floor. I mean, it's everywhere and they're not done filming. They got a whole nother scene they're going to do without wax on the floor, you know? So we, so I just pitch in, man, I'm starting to help. We're scraping. Like there's people that can vouch. Like I'm on the, I'm scraping with them and I'm sitting there going like, who did this man? Like how did this, and nobody will tell me, nobody's telling me like, who did this? Who put all the wax? Come on. Who, somebody must know like who did this? Finally, one of our interns says, it was you. <laughs> I did not want to hear, I, that was me? Yeah, when you finished and the cord, you dragged all the candles off and it knocked them everywhere and like, oh my gosh, it was me. Like, I, I wasn't ready for that. I'm gonna tell you, you go to God and start saying, God, what's going on? You're gonna get some information you may not be wanting to hear, but you gotta be willing. You gotta be willing to ask the question and say, what's going on, God? What do I lack? What needs to be dealt with? And here's the thing. You don't ever stop asking these questions. What's my next step? What do I lack? Because you're not a finished work. Like God's still chiseling. He's still dealing with some things. And you're going to be wanting him to be doing that all the way till you draw your last breath. You are not finished. It says this in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ, when Christ Jesus returns. It's, it's still going. And so you don't ever get out of this mode of saying, God, grow, help me grow, help me, help me show me the steps that I need to take. And if you're not willing to ask him what I lack, it, it's probably usually for two reasons. The first one is this. You think if you deal with something that's unhealthy for your life, you think that you're gonna be missing out and losing something. And I would submit to you, if you think that's the case, you do not know God. John 10, 10, he wants to show you abundance. But you gotta deal with this. The other reason I think you don't wanna know is because you already know. It's like you've been driving down the road and that dashboard light that says you need an oil change has been going on for 2,000 miles. You already know. You just ain't doing it. And so you gotta decide. God, I'm ready. I'm ready to know. I see this longtime church people are in this unhealthy, non-banger groove that's, here's the story, I don't need to make any more growth in my, I don't need to grow. I don't need to deal with anything I'm like, I'm good right now where I'm at. No, we keep asking the question. Here's the last thing I put in your notes. It's the, inspect, it's the interruption groove. It's tied to the inspection groove, the interruption groove. It says, okay, God, uh, I'm ready. What do I lack? And if you ask that question, you have to be ready for major interruptions in the way you're living and in your life. And I think it's one thing to ask the question, it's another thing to say, now, okay God, what really, really needs to change? And I, I see so many people have a hard time with this. This week, if you ask, what do I lack? And he shows you, there's, there's gonna be some things that you're gonna be really challenged to, let God interrupt in your life. You start asking God, what do I lack? And he tells you, yeah, let me tell you something. You need to deal with your sexual impurity. That's an interruption because you got, you've been doing it this way for 20, 30 years, five years, 10, and now all of a sudden you got to do it different. Are, 
are you ready? He comes to you and says, hey, uh, you need to deal with your bitterness problem. And you've been holding on to that bitterness for a long time. You need to let it go. And you're like, I, no, no, no. I've been doing this for 10, 20 years. It's an interruption. Hey, the person that you're dating is uh, somebody who's not healthy for you. And they're not living a life for Jesus. And you need, you need to move on from that. That's an interruption. Hey, that addiction, it needs to come to an end. That's an interruption because you've been doing that a long time. You see, I'm talking about things that are inconvenient. You got these friends. And you know that there's no scenario that's going to allow you to get in a spiritual groove if you keep a certain group of friends going around you in your life. And letting them go is hard. I get it. That's an interruption. But that's a part of the journey to live differently for God. Get to be willing to say, I'll be interrupted. Verse 21, verse 22 says this in the scriptures. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, here's what you need to do. Go sell your possessions and give them to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, I'm going to pause right here. Remember, this is Jesus having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a guy that he knew exactly what his problem was. In this, and so some people take this scripture, and I believe they really handle it poorly. They say, see right there? It says all Christians should live poor. Give all of their resources to everybody and live in a commune and all wear the same clothes. N no. What it's saying is that Jesus says, I know you personally and I know what your problem is. He's speaking one-on-one -on -one to this guy and says, I know you've got a financial issue. Like you, money's, your, it's your identity. That's what he's saying. For some of you, it is money. Like everything's tied to money for you. You, you can't wait to go to the place where to buy the car dealership and spend an hour with the finance guy uh, figuring out how you can make your payment from $500 to $475 a month for seven years and you can't even afford any of it. But you're going to do it anyways. So for some of you, this is you. But for some of you, again, it could be something very different. And as you're saying, okay, God, what do I lack this week? You're saying, I... I want you to reveal to me specifically what it is for me, Lord. And so I ask you, starting today and all week long, will you be willing to say, what's my next step? As you're moving in that identity with Christ, but then what is, is it that I still need to chisel away? With your help, and that's the beauty of a walk with God. You have forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ, but then the Holy Spirit power dwells within us to help us, give us the strength to make these big decisions and interruptions and moments in our life. So you'll be seeking God, but depending on the power of the Holy Spirit to guide you through these changes in your life. Let me pray for you. God, we're now uh, just coming to you, and I believe some of you have revealed already this lack and the next steps. You're, you're already revealing it in the service, and so I just praise God for that. There's others here who are going to seek this week, and they're just going to take notes and write down and take steps and deal with something. God, I pray that they would just dig into your power and your strength to, to move them uh, into this new journey of their life as they get in this spiritual groove. God, we come to know Jesus Christ, but we are not called to live one-hit wonder. You've got so much 
much more in store for us. So God, help us to see that as we enter this new year. I'm praying though, God, right now for somebody here, uh, Lord, help us. There's somebody here in our audience, we've got a large crowd. There's probably many people in this room who do not know you and they're not a part of the family of God. And they're just kind of orphaned out there. It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a part of the royal priesthood. You can go right now in just a moment, just in seconds right now, you can enter the palace. I'm talking about being a part of the royal priesthood. I'm talking about being connected to King Jesus. You can do that right now, just where you're seated, just like I did one day in church, right where I was seated. You say, God, I, I'm ready to be a part of your family. The Bible is clear. Just like Pascal said it over and over again in the scriptures, there's one way to know God, and that's through Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of your sin. Forgiven people are connected to God. You can receive his forgiveness right now. Begin to start new, that new identity. Just from where you're seated, you can say, God, I surrender to you and I accept the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. I'm ready to stop living this way that I've been living. I want to move towards you into something new and I receive from this moment forward the gift of salvation, for eternal life. I have that, but now, Lord, I want you to show me, reveal to me steps, the changes that you have in store for me, not so I can be a part of some kind of rules, but be a part of something that is abundant. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.